Matthew 6, 5-8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. When your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. All right, thank you. So how can we know that when we pray that God hears us? And if he does hear us, how do we know that if he will answer? It's a tough question. In uh, his first epistle, the Apostle John gives us assurance concerning this matter. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verses, 5, verses 13 through 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. As Christians, you can be certain that your prayers are heard. Because the God who sent His only begotten Son to die for your sins, this, this very God who has adopted you as His own, will He not listen to you when you come to Him in need? This is the promise that you have in the Gospel. That you are a child of God. And you have gained entrance into His court. It is in prayer that we see the intimate relationship between a father and his child. Both have a desire to connect with the other. Which brings us to our passage for today. If you recall, last week we started off a new section in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had just finished talking about the, the righteousness that a person must have in order to enter into God's kingdom. And then he transitioned into warning his disciples about the pride that can come about from such righteousness. Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 1 once more. Here we see Jesus saying these words. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And this sets the stage, if you will, for, for three acts of righteousness that Jesus will hone in on. These were three prominent areas of Jewish piety for first century Jews. The giving of alms, prayer, and fasting. Last week we talked about giving, and, and this week we'll begin with prayer. Now out of these three categories, Jesus spends most of his time warning us about prayer. One can see this by the sheer volume of verses ascribed to each subject. Where giving and, and fasting are, are, are covered in only three verses apiece, prayer takes up 11 verses. 
And this is, this is a very appropriate, for, for prayer is so vital to the Christian life. Another thing to notice is that Jesus doesn't give one warning, but two. And he, and he follows them up by giving a positive example of how to pray. So before we jump in, I, I just want to give you a brief outline of, of Christ's teaching on prayer so that you can see exactly where we are heading. In verse 5, Jesus warns about praying like the hypocrites. And then in verse 6, he, he teaches his disciples to pray in secret. In verse 7, Jesus gives a second warning about praying like the pagans. And then in verse 8, he shows his disciples how they are to view, how they are to view and approach God as they come to him in prayer. And then Jesus finishes off this magnificent teaching concerning prayer with verses 9 through 15 by instructing them with a positive example in the Lord's Prayer. But we'll leave that last portion for another time. Otherwise, I'll be here all day. Today, we're going to focus on verses 5 through 8. That being said, let's look at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. Once again, Jesus speaks of the hypocrites, these, these men who wanted to be seen by others. And what we learned from last week, that this phrase, to be seen by men, isn't necessarily talking about the publicness of an act. Rather, it is this desire to receive honor from men through one's acts of righteousness. Now, if what, if what Jesus had really meant was that one should never pray in public, I would be guilty. All right? Every week I do that. And his disciples would be guilty as well, for they did, they, they did a lousy job in obeying him in this manner. In the book of Acts, we see numerous times where the apostles would pray openly without the slightest of qualms. And the apostle Paul instructed Christians to pray as they assembled together. And then we, we read in the Gospels, we, we even see Jesus, that, that he didn't even seem to uh, obey his own teaching, as he too would often pray publicly. Look at, look at John chapter 11, verse 41. Here we, we see Jesus praying in order to be heard by men. Look at these verses. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So as you can see, even Jesus had no hesitations when it came to praying publicly. So what is Jesus talking about in our passage for today? Really, it has, has less to do with where someone prays or who they're praying in front of, and more to do with why they are praying. And he uses the examples of praying in the synagogue and on the street corners. In, a, in, a, in the synagogue, in synagogue worship, typically a person from the congregation would be asked to pray publicly. They would stand in a position of prominence and, and lead the people in their prayers. 
But over time, what this practice of public praying turned into was a, was a badge of honor. You see, men would use these opportunities as a demonstration of their own piety. They, they tended to pray speaking, speaking lofty phrases and, and conveying a false reverence for God. But it wasn't just in the synagogues where, where prayer was being corrupted. Jesus also speaks of praying on the streets. And this was a, another custom of the Jews at that time. At, at different points in the day, people would, would hear a trumpet blast, signaling them to stop, face Jerusalem, I'm not sure where Jerusalem is, and, and, and pray in that direction. Those who love to be seen by men would make a show of it with their loud voices and expressive words. Once again, Jesus warns his disciples of being driven by pride rather than out of a desire to connect with their Father. Jesus says that the men who, who do this will receive their reward in full. They may not have their prayers answered, but they don't really care about that now, do they? No. The, the only reason they were praying was to be seen by men. And, they, and so, the only reward that they will get is the honor of men. This, this desire to receive praise from men through prayer, it isn't limited to the past. It is just as prevalent today as it was in the first century. For instance, in a, in a charismatic church, you might see a person weeping and, and raising their hands with large gestures, making a show of their prayers as if big outpours of emotion will make them look more spiritual. Or in a more traditional church like ours, it's less about emotion or, or body movement but, but on the use of elegant words and, and lofty prose to make one seem intelligent and pious. But sometimes even a person's private prayers can be flaunted in such a way to make a person seem spiritual and holy. Let me ask you, have you ever dropped the hint to someone that you've spent the morning praying? Or if, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, have you ever posted a spiritual selfie? How many of you know what I'm talking about? That, that, that little photo usually taken at a coffee shop of an espresso, an open Bible, with, along with a caption, hashtag coffee and Jesus. It's that, it's that little way that you can demonstrate to the world that spiritually, you've got it together. Whatever the case may be, the, the question is, are you using your prayer life to gain the favor of men? Or are you more concerned about truly seeking God? You see, it all comes down to the intention of our heart. Are, are you looking to please men? Or are you looking to please God? Jesus shows you a better way. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What Jesus is suggesting is to find seclusion away from the crowds. He uses a closed room as an example. But going into a prayer closet isn't necessarily what you have to do. Jesus gives us plenty of examples where, where he prayed privately in Scripture, not necessarily in a locked room. For instance, look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Or how about chapter 6, verse 12? One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus made it a habit of finding a secret place in order to be alone with his Father. And this should be your habit as well. Dear friends, if a, if a man prays more in public than, than he does in private, that reveals something about that man. More than likely, he is less interested in connecting with God than he is with receiving human praise. Again, it, it, it just goes down to the heart. It goes down to the desires that we have within us. Listen, the, the purpose of prayer is to be in union with God. It is our way of communicating with Him. Imagine a marriage where, where only one person speaks. How healthy of a relationship will that be? This is why prayer is so vital to the Christian walk. If you want connection with your Father, then go to Him privately and let Him hear your voice. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But let's move on. There's a second warning that Jesus has for us. Let's look at verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Here's Jesus' second warning concerning prayer. And in this one, he is less concerned with a with person's desire than he is with how a person both views and approaches God. So what does Jesus mean when he speaks of babbling and using many words? To understand this, one must understand the pagan practices of Jesus' day. You see, there were a few things that the pagans would do when they would pray to their gods. One, they, they would chant various names of their gods over and over again in the hopes that they could get their gods' attention. Two, they would also recite ritual incantations, kind of like a, a magical phrase as a means to coerce the God they were praying to into doing what they want. And finally, if, if all, else, all else failed, they would go into a trance-like state and start speaking in gibberish, which they considered to be the language of their gods. This is, is what we saw in our first scripture reading. When, when the prophets of Baal were praying to their God. Look at 1 Kings again. Look at chapter 18, verse 26. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. 
And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. This, this is the type of thing that Jesus is talking about. Using these various rituals in an attempt to get their God's attention. These acts of appeasement stem from a person's view of their God. The prophets of Baal, they thought that their God was distant and hard to reach. Not so with Elijah. Look at how he prayed. Look at verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Here, we see a simple prayer to Yahweh. No need for chanting, or rituals, or, or slashing of his skin. Elijah just had the simple trust that the Lord would hear him. You see, Elijah knew that his God was close. He is like a father to his children, attentive and ready to help. Unfortunately, not, not every Christian has this view. Many still see him as being distant and hard to connect with. And this becomes evident in how they pray. I can think of two pagan practices concerning prayer that have crept into the church. The, the first is a form of mysticism called centering prayer. Here, a, a person selects a, a sacred word from Scripture that they will meditate upon or chant, symbolizing their sincere intention to be in God's presence. The goal is to have some type of mystical experience with God through that ritual exercise. This flies in the face of, of what Jesus taught, that God is there as a Father, ready to listen. There's no need for meditating or, or chanting some cryptic word in order to earn his presence. God hears you before you even speak. The second practice is a, is a charismatic notion of praying in tongues. This is the babbling that Jesus speaks of. This comes from a, a, a faulty understanding of what the gift of tongues really is. Instead of it being a supernatural gift where a person, a person actually speaks an understandable language, they have, they have twisted it into some type of secret prayer language where a person can somehow connect deeper with God. Again, this is a wrong view of their father. 
One doesn't need to babble endlessly trying to work themselves in, into a trance-like state in order to connect with God. No. One simply needs to open their mouths and say the word Father. And He is right there by their side. Which brings us to our last verse. Look at Matthew 6, verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. If, if Jesus' first warning was about your desire when it comes to prayer, then His second warning focuses more on God's desire for you to come to Him. Jesus is clear. You have a Father in heaven who knows what you need and wants to be with you. So go to your Father, trusting that He hears you. You don't need to earn His favor through your babbling or your many words, but you can come to Him simply and confidently. After all, if, if God sent His own Son to die for your sins, then why wouldn't He also listen to you? Your Father loves you, and he, he desires to be with you. Jesus is calling you to repentance. First, you must, you must turn from, from seeking the praise of men. When you pray, go in secret. Seek connection with your Father and not with the world. Second, you must repent of, of any efforts to earn God's ears. Just go to Him simply and with confidence, not relying on yourself, but trusting in Christ. After all, He is your mediator. The one who opened the curtains wide to God's throne room, allowing you entrance inside. Jesus' message is simple. Pray out of a desire to connect with your Father. And when you do, go confidently, knowing that your Father wants to connect with you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you both simply and confidently. We know that you hear us because we have your Son as our mediator. And because we have your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We ask that you would free us from our pride and from our wrong views of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.